BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Back to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Nebraska basketball opened up their exhibition series at Pinnacle Bank Arena last night with a 97-58 win. It was close, though, for a while, and Peru State was making a lot of threes, 39-31 at half before Nebraska kind of went on a run right after uh, the second half started, and uh, they end up winning comfortably, 97-58. But overall thoughts? To do that, we bring in Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com. Hi, Robin. How are you? How are you? What's up, guys? I just went to the game last night, and I was thinking, you know what? They're talented. They're rusty. They've got uh, challenges, obviously, especially maybe on the rebounding end of it. But what were your overall thoughts about about last night's performance? Uh, It was fine. Uh, There was good. There was bad. And that's exactly what you want in a situation like that where, uh, you know, both teams, didn't really approach it like a real game. Uh, you know, Nebraska played 15 guys, and I think Purdue or uh, Bruce Tate uh, was close behind there because uh, they actually, I'm sure you talked about it, but they opened their regular season tomorrow or today. And so, you know, they were less than 24 hours from actually playing a, a real game. So they weren't going to wear their starters down, um, you know, right before the games actually count. So, you know, it was a game where there was a lot of experimentation. You know, obviously, uh, Alonzo Verge didn't even start where you know he'll normally be a starter uh, any other game. Uh, so, you know, like I said, there was a lot to work on. Um, it was a good learning experience. Now they actually have uh, some stuff out of the way. You know, the, the first college game for a bunch of those players, the first game in front of fans, the first game with fans in Pinnacle Bank Arena for you know, literally everyone on that team. So they were able to get some of that stuff 
done. And now you can move on and start focusing on the on-the-court stuff, not just the emotions of, of returning back to, to basketball and all that stuff. And uh, you know, you're not going to experiment nearly as much with, with different combinations going forward as you did that game. So, you know, the, the exhibition accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish. Uh, yeah, it was a little rusty to start, but they did what they were supposed to do. You know, they won by 39 points, and that's about what I expected the, the game to be. So, in reality, it, it kind of was what it needed to be. And now you try to learn uh, from some of the stuff that didn't go quite as well as you would have liked and focus on that over the next couple of days as you get ready for a much more significant challenge against Colorado that uh, I personally will be putting significantly more stock into as far as evaluating what this team actually is. Uh, what did you see from the, the opening performances from uh, two of the most heralded players uh, of Nebraska basketball in recent memory? Obviously, five-star Bryce McGowan's and international star Casey Tamanaga. Yeah, Bryce was rusty. Um, not rusty. I'll say he was nervous. You know, he looked to a, just a little timid. Uh, you know, that first possession of the game, you know, he, threw, he had a turnover on a pass that, you know, just it looked like he wasn't quite sure where to put it, and it, it went rolling out of bounds. And then, you know, some of his shots looked like he was kind of forcing the issue a little bit. But I think as the game went on, he started to settle in. And I think that's going to be the story with him, that every game, every minute that he gets uh, of experience, under his belt, the better he's going to be. That confidence is going to continue to rise, and you're going to start to see him play up to that uh, potential that some people say is, is good enough to be a lottery pick. So, you know, it was you know kind of underwhelming as far as you know fans finally getting a chance to see him uh, in in live competition. But I don't think that that's going to be the norm. I think that, like I said, every time that he plays, he's going to continue to get better, and um, you know, especially as uh, you know, they, they start to kind of figure out the, the role definition a little bit better and maybe he can be a little bit more assertive than what he was last night. He's Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com, covers uh, Husker basketball and, of course, football as well. But I want to continue with uh, some Husker basketball talk. Uh, we wondered about the rotation. Fred Hoiberg said he wondered himself that that's going to be one of the harder things is trying to narrow it down to eight or nine guys. You saw the starting lineup tonight, You had, or last night, I should say. Wilcher was in the starting lineup, CJ, along with the McGowan's brothers. You had Lat Mayon, uh, and, of course, Walker was in there as well. And then Alonzo came off the bench relatively quick. Uh, then you had Keon Edwards with 12 points last night. Uh, you had Wilhelm Breidenbach and Kaysay. Do you think that is the nine right now? Well, it sure looks that way. Uh, the fact that the 10th the guy, Kobe Webster, didn't, check into the game until you know less than eight minutes left to go in regulation there seemed to be a pretty defined gap between uh the guys they wanted to get in the game early and then the rest of the bench and so you know to to those guys credit you know with kobe and uh, eduardo and trevor lakes you know they they made the most of their opportunities and then some uh but it you know it seems like there's a pretty notable gap and we'll see if that continues uh, you know, on Sunday, like I said, I think you're going to take away a lot more from what they do in that game than what they did last night. But certainly with the first kind of look at what that rotation might be, uh, it, it seemed pretty defined as far as who the top nine were and everybody else. And obviously that's subject to change by opponent and just kind of how the course of the season goes. But right now, um, I I would probably say it's a relatively safe bet that those those first nine that we saw are going to be 
um, very much in the mix to be the primary rotation when all said and done. What do you what do you make of the Alonzo Verge not starting? I know Hoiberg didn't say much about it, but it, it felt very odd. And then once he got in the game, it, it was what we expected. He's the best player in, in the spark plug for him. Well, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't start. He was the first guy off the bench, played 20, what, 21, 23 minutes. So as many minutes as almost anybody out there. Started the second half, and then Fred said he's probably going to start Sunday. Deductive reasoning says that maybe that was a uh, statement Fred was trying to get across to Alonzo and probably just something that, you know, maybe Alonzo didn't do something that he was supposed to do, and that was the punishment for it. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think that it's uh, the, the way that that game went and the fact that Fred came out and said that I would expect him to start against Colorado says that this is not a long-term thing, and when all is said and done, he will be the starting point guard, as we all expected. What do you see as the strengths of this team going forward and the weaknesses as well? Well, weakness is pretty obvious. Rebounding, I think, is going to be a real problem. Uh, they are not aggressive at all uh, on the glass, and Fred has mentioned that several times, even before that game, that that was something that he was concerned about, uh, and we saw why. Uh, you know, They were devoting four, even five guys uh, into the paint on defensive rebounds and still weren't getting it and gave up you know, seven offensive rebounds and, and 14 second chance points to a Peru State team that doesn't have a guy taller than 6'8". So what's that going to mean when uh, you know the, the, the Big Ten and the high major opponents start rolling around? So that's, that's probably the biggest concern for me. Um, you know, and Fred kind of made it clear that it's the same for him as well. Uh, and I don't know what they can do really outside of just having a different mentality uh, with rebounding and being more aggressive. But you know, sometimes if, if you don't have that naturally ingrained in you, that's, that's hard to fix. So I would imagine that's going to be something we talk about all year uh, and something they're just going to have to overcome, uh, especially offensively. Uh, and so their strengths, I mean, obviously they, they got a lot of scores. I mean, uh, Alonzo Verge was fantastic. And I think a lot of those guys that struggled a little bit, you know, Trey McGowan's only shot the ball once in you know, 20 some minutes of play. And that, that didn't come until, you know, nine minutes left in the game. Uh, so I would expect him to have a, a bigger role. I think Bryce McGowan's, like I said, is going to continue to get better. Um, you know, and Derek Walker showed that he can be a really important piece in the front court, uh, not only as a scorer, but he also had three assists. And so being able to operate the offense out of the high post, uh, he's really good at that. So, you know, I think there, there's a lot to like about this team offensively. Um, and I think they're only going to continue to get better on that end of the floor going forward. But, you know, you just wonder how much improvements can be made with their rebounding, given the just kind of lack of, of front court size and physicality that they have. And then also just what appears to be a, you know, kind of a, a lacking mentality for being a good rebounding team at this point. And switching to football this weekend, big game as uh, Purdue comes to Memorial Stadium. Uh, it's, it's been kind of a nice, uh, some distractions here with basketball and, and volleyball last night, although they didn't win, uh, you know, obviously a top 10 team. But uh, back to football and, and back to uh, in, in uneasy feeling if that game is not, uh, does not conclude the way that Husker fans hope it does. Um, I mean, what... Where are you kind of feeling at this point of how big this game is? Because we do it every week where we say this is this is make or break break for Frost, but it's it feels like it's getting pretty darn close to that point. No, well, it is. Uh, especially if they lose this one, then you got to win out against Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Uh, I do not see that happening whatsoever. So their only chance at going to a bowl is by beating Purdue, uh, in, in my opinion. So 
You want to talk about must-win, this is about as must-win as it gets. And in previous must-win situations, Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska's fallen on its face. So uh, they got to find a way to actually get it done. Uh, their postseason hopes depend on it. And if they lose this game, then uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even talking about going to a bowl because you know I don't, they're not, I don't, I don't give them any chance against Ohio State with the way that they're playing. And then let alone uh, with the struggles they've had against Wisconsin and Iowa over the years, I think that's just too steep of a mountain to climb. So this is the only chance they have, as far as I'm concerned, to make a bowl. And if you don't get it done on Saturday, then this season's basically a wash. That being said, Robin, the mood, I don't know, I'm just listening to Scott Frost and Trev Alberts for that matter, it doesn't seem to be a mood of panic. But maybe that changes if you do lose to Purdue. I mean, they're... Scott's been like abnormally jovial this week. We just talked to him, uh, you know, like an hour ago, and uh, he was just as happy as he was on Monday. And so I don't, <laughs> maybe that's a new approach he's trying to take, where he decided being the, uh, the, the 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 stone cold face, uh, you know, kind of agitated coach wasn't working for him. So now he's going to be the happy guy. I don't know, or, or maybe you know he's he's seeing something that. Uh, we we aren't seeing with with how the team is responding. I guess we'll find out on Saturday. But you know, the reality is they can say all they want, but uh, you know, at some point you got to win. You got to win the games you're supposed to win, and they're supposed to beat Purdue, just like they were supposed to beat Illinois, like they were supposed to beat Minnesota, and you, you got to do it. And so you can talk about how well the teams responded, how they prepared the right way, and doing all that stuff. You said it before, and it didn't translate into a victory. So I mean, I guess credit to them for uh, you know keeping good attitudes and, and saying all the right things despite some you know pretty difficult circumstances this season but at some point the results have to show on game day and so we'll see if if this time around it actually does translate uh, well you mentioned you, you just heard from Scott Frost about an hour ago I, I know these Thursday sessions usually don't get too much from him did was there anything uh, there today the most noteworthy thing was uh, a kicker where they said they did open up that spot for competition and even had a kickoff uh, between four different kickers to just kind of enhance that competition a little bit. And uh, it sounds like uh, all four did well and Ross said that they have a decision to make as far as who their starting place kicker is going to be on Saturday. Um, he did note that Connor Culp really benefited, I think, from the week off just to kind of step away and, uh, reset himself mentally. Uh, so I think from a talent standpoint, Culp's your guy. But if he's not there between the years, I don't know if you can you can roll with him anymore. I mean, just given the body of evidence we've seen and the, the wild inconsistency uh, that's, that's happened with him from week to week, uh, if, if you truly feel that you have someone that can be as good or at least a little bit more consistent at that spot, you know, your your season depends on it, and you, and you need to go with the guy that's going to give you the best chance to win. And if they feel that's Culp, then good on him. Uh, you know, I I feel so bad for that guy. Uh, it just taught him talking after that Minnesota game. I mean, he was just as devastated as as anyone we've seen after a loss, and he puts a lot of you know his struggles uh, on his shoulders as you know he he sees himself as a reason Nebraska's losing right now, and so it's really eating at him. And you just got to wonder where he is mentally with his confidence and if he's going to be able to to shake that off at any point this season but if not you got to go with the guy that, that or at least somebody that can give you some stability at that kicker spot 
Uh, good luck with that. But uh, yeah, what about the – do you think <laughs> that it's possible he could be injured in some way? I don't think so. Okay. I mean, if it is, then it's certainly not enough for them to, yeah. to hold him out. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe we'll hear about something after the year that you know, comes out where he was dealing with a, some sort of injury. But yeah. uh, right now it doesn't seem significant yeah. that he's at risk yeah. of – missing any time because of it, sure. so I don't put much stock into that. There you go. Uh, great stuff, Robin, as always. We'll talk to you next week after a Husker win over Colorado. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, not in football, uh, by the way. That would be basketball. They're playing Sunday on Halloween against uh, Colorado exhibition game. Really excited about that. I'm excited more about that than, than some games that actually count in the win column. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, an old rivalry, renewed, uh, Big 8, Big 12. Yeah, you can actually – I think both teams will want to win uh, just because you want to get a good look at your team. And uh, I, Colorado's been good. Uh, Thad Boyle's good, uh, good coach. Their program's interesting, though. Did you have uh, – you know, Kansas was obviously the big, bad, um, evil team in the Big 8, Big 12 days. Did you have a special distaste for Colorado basketball, or was that just more on the football Not field? really. Uh, I liked watching them when they had Chauncey Billups. They were oh, fun. Yeah. They've had some fun teams. They have had some good players. Uh, you know, Alex Stiverns, of course, his daughter plays at Nebraska, but he played at Colorado back in the day, and so I didn't like him because he didn't choose. First he chose Creighton, and then he went to Colorado. So I was <laughs> mad at him for that, and then he sends his daughter to Nebraska. I was always wondered about that. But uh, I, I don't hate Colorado as much in basketball because they're they're, they've never been really consistently good. Right. Occasionally they'll be good. Yeah. Um, let's get to break, come back with the blog jog with Rico. We'll have that coming up next. To Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.